time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, March 13th, 2023. Again, so good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we're just honored to have you here. And we've got a lot to talk about today. Talk about interesting times. We had on Friday, we had the Silicon Valley, Silicon National Bank, Valley National Bank could uh, collapse and uh, get taken over. And then uh, over the weekend, Signature Bank in New York uh, collapsed, uh, fueled by crypto bets. It's kind of like it's just starting to get crazier. Now, the good news when there's bad news everywhere else, or does it benefit? Mortgage rates. We're seeing a little bit of a rally in mortgage rates. Uh, even a signal from, you know, uh, Jeremy Powell that he is saying now that, well, maybe we'll put a pause on this thing. Man, I tell you, there is so much going on. We can't wait to get into it. Before we do, let's get that special thank you out to our sponsors. I want to say thank you to Candor Technology, an only automated underwriting system to earn a patent for a unique technology solution that allows you to operate the delivery workflow process so you can op- right-size operations for the last time. It's amazing what these guys do. What, what Tom and, and the team have done, Tom and his daughter Sarah, they're at the, at the whole company. It's just amazing. Now, they're getting caught up in a whole lot of stuff going on around the industry. They've had to make some cuts like we've seen so many have to make. But this company is alive and well and doing exceptionally well. So I would encourage you to take a look at Candor if you're not, if you're especially when you're looking at how you can reduce costs. It can really help you. Also, Finastra, which relies on uh, where you can rely on a fully automated email notifications for the various stages of the loan. It can access real-time pipeline view data, and it's easy to search for loans quick and easily. Uh, you can move between the various devices. Some of the others do that, but the way they do it is a bit more elegant than some of the others out there in the marketplace. I encourage you to check out Finastra. They have some wonderful features. In these uncertain times, I look for who's the biggest, the bestest, and also who has the most capital. And Finastra being the first number one fintech company in the world gives me a warm and fuzzy when it comes to risk, check out Mike Hendricks, Hendricks interview we did in July. We're working on getting some more guests in. I love working with these guys. I love the, the new team that's in there, and they're doing some very innovative things. And talk about innovation. Our friends at Total Expert do some amazing things. Um, again, we had Dan Cantonelli on. We got to update that note. We had um, Joe Waylu on here. We got Ben. We got to get those notes updated here. We had ben, Joe Waylu on here just recently. And uh, very grateful for his that interview. It went really well. And I encourage you to go back and listen to it. If Ben will send me a note, I'll put up and tell you what that was. It was just recently in the last couple of weeks. Also, Simple Nexus, the mortgage software and technology for the modern letter. They're so, talk about taking on quietly by all the various segments and pieces of the mortgage process. Simple Nexus does an amazing job of that. 
They're owned by Encino. And you've got to be paying attention to this company. I get, I get insights of what they're doing and some of the things on the, that's on the planning stages. It was crazy. So, oh, ah, so we've got the Joe Wellers <laughs> released bench shop, you know. Joe Wellers is going to be released this Wednesday. So I got ahead of myself. Way to go, Ben. Appreciate that. March 15th, we'll have Joe Wellu of Total Expert. You got to talk and listen to this interview because the total customer intelligence process and what they do, their customer intelligence, part of their technology is so over the top and innovative and good. You just can't start looking at it. It really can't. um, You can't live without it. Then also we have Andrea Lightfoot, who was on last Wednesday on March 8th to check out a simple nexus. It was just one of the, I got so much feedback about how they not only enjoyed listening to Andrea and how smart she sounds, and she is not Donald sounds smart. She really is, but how articulate she is, uh, articulate she is in uh, talking about leveling up the mortgage technology and with lender insight. And she got two into chat GPT, uh, GPT and, uh, case that sounded like a B. I want to make sure I enunciate that clearly. Chat GPT, and as, as did Joe Wellu, which you, well, you're going to hear on Wednesday. Then if that's not enough, Mark and I are a little enamored with this. Uh, Shashank Shakark reached out to us of Instant Mortgage, and on Friday, we're releasing a special podcast on Chat GPT for lenders. You've got to pay attention to these uh, upcoming. We really bring you timely information in audio format, and i got to tell you, this Chat GPT has the potential of doing some really exciting things for us. Also, a special shout out goes out to uh, Adam DeSantis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, David Kittle, Alice Alvey, and Alan Pollock and Mark Helm. Mark Helm, good to have you here with us, Fred. Appreciate you. Glad to be here, sir. You bet. I also forgot to mention mortgage, uh, the MBA, grateful for the MBA and all that they do for us, as well as the Lenders One. Last week, we were at the Lenders One conference. That was really a really well-attended conference. There was so much activity. You would not know there's anything going on in the industry based on that one. And I know the same goes for the Mortgage Collaborative. We'll hear from David, uh, David Kittle, who's online, about that in just a minute. Um, also, Knowledge Coop, uh, there's several people looking at an LMS. I got asked about it the other day, and I go, I tell you, Knowledge Coop's the way to go. Um, Mobility, MMI, and Modex are the two ways to find out when you're out there recruiting to the people do what they say they do. You can check it out when you're working with that. Also find new markets you're going into and who is really the shakers and movers in those markets. These two tools, MMI and Modex, I got to tell you, they're the best, as well as mortgage advisory tools. Grateful to have all of you here with us. Let's get over to the our friends over at uh, the MBA for this week's Adam DeSantis specifically with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Adam, what do you have for us? Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, HUD announced a final rule increasing the maximum allowable term for FHA-insured loan modifications from 360 months to 480 months. In a press statement, MBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith said the additional tool will allow mortgage servicers to help struggling FHA borrowers stay in their homes through a more affordable, and sustainable mortgage payment. He also added that the addition of the 40-year option to FHA's loss mitigation toolkit better aligns FHA policy with the GSE's loss mitigation framework, which is a long-standing MBA priority and a recommendation in our new white paper on the future of loss mitigation. 
Services are required to implement the new program requirements no later than May 8th of this year. And finally, we're nearly a month away from MBA's annual National Advocacy Conference, which takes place in our nation's capital on April 18th through the 19th. Register today at mba.org NAC. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Yes, Adam, we thank you for taking time to record that and get that over to us. A lot of timely information. The advocacy care uh, conferences, are, I've attended that. It's a really good one. I encourage you to get in there. I know a lot of people are just not into traveling right now. The budgets are, travel budgets and conference budgets have been cut. But again, wouldn't know that by what we saw there at Letters One. And uh, Mr. Kittle, you're on the line. We'll open the mic up for you. Give us a thought on your thoughts on TMC. That was uh, well attended as well, as I understand. Yeah, we had a great time. You know, our members turned out, and uh, you know, some of our members are dual members of both, as uh, is many of our preferred partners. So they uh, kind of split. Um, to say that every conference out there right now has the same attendance, you've got companies that would normally send three or four, sending one or two, and that happened yeah. at at both both conferences this past yeah, both conferences, weekend. Yeah. But uh, the attendance was great. The content. And, of course, our collab labs, uh, the value that our lender members receive uh, is amazing. Uh, I love the fact that at TMC, our ratio of lenders that attend to preferred partners and or vendors uh, is the highest in the industry. So our vendors get great value meeting with the lenders as well. So we had a great time. Yeah. I I, I was so bummed that they were on top of each other this year. And uh, so, but we, we really are grateful to be members of both of them. Love, of course, the TMC group and what's going on there. And uh, there's some recent news. Can't wait to get updates on the latest uh, happenings and all that. But uh, anything you want to say about that? A lot of that news went out to the industry. So anything you want to say about um, Rich's departure and uh, anything on any of that, David, other than it's I, I love what you texted me. TMC is so much stronger than one person. And I thought that was a great perspective on that. Anything you want to add to that? No, nothing at all. Look, Rich was with us for eight years. I love the guy. He did a fabulous job for us. His decision alone to leave, uh, we certainly wanted him to stay. And eight years is a long time with anybody in this business these days. And uh, these days, we will, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, onward and forward, and we won't miss a beat. Uh, we have a great staff, the best in the business. And that's where all the relationships are, and Rich oversaw that. And uh, we'll find somebody to take that slot, and we're going to take our time doing it and get the best person in it. Yeah, we just recorded the, the educational um, – uh, the, the TMCU is um, really exciting. So we've got to talk more about that. We've got that recording coming up. We'll be releasing that here. Yeah, that's, that's um, going to be you know, the thing that's talked about uh, in the marketplace as the year goes towards the end of the year and of course our next conference in Nashville in September so we're really looking forward to that yeah it was really good it was really good she's just bubbly she's so smart at what he does Mark and I enjoyed that interview thank you Mr. Kettle yeah she's the best you're you're welcome she is she's awesome that's really 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 good all right so that's the Adam DeSantis report we appreciate Adam and everyone at the NBA be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app so important that you, even though you can't go to D.C. for some of these conferences, you can still have your voice heard on the Hill by using the Mortgage Action Alliance app and getting signed up. And um, that's awesome. Very good. Let's talk. get over to our friend Les Parker with today's TM um, Spotlight. Again, 
Les does a great job with his music parodies, so we always love to listen to what he's coming up with, Les. And also, do you guys know when you listen to this music parody, I don't know if he's going to sing with this one, but he does that on his own, and he's not singing over the music. He has to do that separately, and then uh, Gary Cantrabone, who works with Les, splices that in. It's amazing how he nails it. So, Les Parker, what do you have for us today? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. It is the flight deposits weak. Who's on the run? No time to sweep. Curse got to rise, rise like the wind. To free banks again. Who yelled, give me back my money? With the yield curve inversion, Silicon Valley biotechs needed tuppence to feed the birds and workers. So SVB business depositors moved their money quickly to higher paying banks that do typical lending and not locked into low yield treasury bonds. Last week's wild ride revealed the fickleness of interest rates and that underwater portfolios can't hide. So, is a CD rate war upon us? Rates ride like the wind. These views are my own. Find the wind's direction at tmspotlight.com. Oh, yeah. Good job, Les Parker. <laughs> and Gary Kentrabot, I love you guys. You guys did a great job and really hit on it. It's a nail on the head. I mean, where are the winds blowing? Man, it is all over. Now, we got some nice recovery this week in the rates, but uh, Les Parker. I just uh, admire you and how you do that. Not only that, the musical ability he has. It's pretty pretty impressive how he just kind of fits right in there. And then Gary puts, puts it all to Gary. I think Gary Kentra one has the harder work there because he has to put it all together. I don't know. They do a great job together, and we're grateful for it. Check out Les's um, TM Spotlight uh, newsletter. You can sign it up for the paid version for free if you put in the word code word power for power seller. And you can put that into the code when you go there. Check it out at tmspotlight.com, tmspotlight.com. Great newsletter. I've been reading it for many, many decades. It's one of the best. Now, Matt Graham, I don't know if he got caught up in the Silicon Valley Bank debacle or all of that, but I'm sure he's one busy guy. But he did take the time. So he's not with us, but he did take the time to record something for us. So let's hear what Matt Graham has for us. Matt, if you're listening, we miss you. We always love to have you here in person, but thanks for taking the time to record this. This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. It has been an absolutely crazy week and a half starting last Thursday evening and especially Friday with the rapid onset failure of Silicon Valley Bank, a.k.a. SVB, Lots of concerns as to whether or not this posed a contagion slash systemic risk for financial markets. And while there are differing opinions on that, the market has certainly been trading in that direction at times with a massive flight to safety with money moving out of stocks and into bonds. This is notable because the typical pattern for the market has been quite the opposite with both stocks and bonds rallying and selling off in unison which is something they tend to do at times when the market is trading Fed rate hike expectations or general Fed accommodation feelings. That creates a mirror image in a chart of stock prices and bond yields. And now with the flight to safety, we're seeing stock prices and bond yield follow each other, which is more of that conventional wisdom type of trade. So what's the change? What's the damage? Um, All of the February 
move in Fed funds futures has been erased and then some as of this morning. Uh, heading into the beginning of the month, um, Fed funds futures for December 2023 were right around 4.3. They went as high as 5.5 by the middle of last week and are now down to 4.1%, briefly dropping below 4% early this morning. Even bigger changes in uh, September that had been at 4.76, moved up to 5.7, and is now down to 4.3. So all of that speculation for the rate environment uh, changing in 2023 over the course of the year has been erased, at least for now. And markets are waiting to see what is going to transpire if there is going to be a little bit of a domino effect to other banks. Uh, I'm sure the Fed, FDIC, and Treasury, with their announcement of a um, a backstop a liquidity facility, uh, are hoping to avoid that sort of contagion or systemic issue. And um, that may indeed work because they basically said that if you are a depositor, uh, we're going to get you back all of your money, even if it's over 250 grand. And they also allow these banks to borrow money for up to a year at par on their securities, as opposed to taking the hit on their securities that are now worth much less uh, than they were when they were originally purchased. So some of the banks needed to sell that stuff for liquidity reasons uh, to meet redemption demands, and uh, SVB was unable to do that, and that's what precipitated their rapid uh, liquidation. So absolutely huge moves in the bond market. MBS uh, up by a point so far this morning and looking back over the last five days in 5.5 coupons up the better part of two points in three days. And uh, lenders have yet to pass that on in terms of rate sheets. So it uh, leaves the rate outlook as far as mortgage rates are concerned, a little bit uncertain. Uh, To be sure, mortgage rates have dropped quite a bit. Uh, We're down almost half a point in two days, you know, from just over 7% to around 6.5, depending on the lender and the scenario and all the rest of it. I like to focus on the movement. It's about half a point. Um, Another huge question is what this does to the Fed's next meeting. What are they going to say? Are they going to look as closely as it seemed like they were going to at something like the most recent jobs report and the consumer price index that comes out tomorrow? There's something to be said for the fact that if we're suddenly thinking that everything has changed due to systemic fears that uh, tomorrow's CPI, because it speaks to the month of January, or sorry, month of February, doesn't have as much of a bearing as it did because things changed as of early March. So if we're just trying to get a read on how things have changed since early March, we have to wait for new data to come in and then sort of just guess at how things might change. And there's a lot of guessing going on right now, and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty, and that's driving money into the bond market. Uh, Money could come back out of the bond market progressively as things settle down, if things settle down. If they don't, then the market's positioned fairly well and might rally even more. But uh, it remains to be seen if that's the case. One other complicating factor is that the Fed is in the middle of its blackout period, meaning no public speeches on monetary policy between now and uh, the Fed announcement on March 22nd. And that is next Wednesday. So a lot going on. And uh, we're in wait and see mode right now. I 
not really big on lock float advice, but um, I would say it's safe to say things could go in either direction fairly substantially, and they probably will, certainly by next week, if not sooner. And um, we'll be paying a lot of attention this week, probably most of the attention to tomorrow's CPI data to see how willing markets are to react. After that, just retail sales on Wednesday is the only other big ticket potential market mover. And um, then there's Philly Fed on Thursday, but it's not quite the report retail sales is. Other than that, just waiting until next week's Fed announcement and trying to balance that against the flow of news surrounding the banking crisis, mini crisis, and uh, CPI data tomorrow. That's all for this week. Back to you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it very much. Boy, talk about a time where you would love to have less and uh, Matt here live with us because there's so much to talk about. So we're going to get over. Mark, I'd love to get your thoughts on what we're experiencing here in the markets today. And what can we anticipate? You and I have both been at this for 50 years, or I mean 50 years. Thank you, 48 years. It's been a long, long time. And um, what's your what's your make of it? Bad news for the world right. is good news for mortgage rates, typically. And I think that, uh, David, I think when you and I both uh, total 100, uh, 100 years, <laughs> we uh, we ought to have a celebration. Yeah. We ought to have our you centennial. Should go How to, about that? You should go to pasture. You should go to pasture. Look at it and go, no, I'm not. I love what we're doing. I love what we're doing. Well, you know, so, you know, David, we we talked about this many times. I have uh, I, I have seen so many cycles in the industry as 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 uh, Mr. Kittle and yourself, and um, this is kind of no surprise. Uh, something's always going to pop up, and uh, it surprised me it popped up where it did. But you know, it's really kind of funny how things come in multiples. I mean, having the 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 other bank and also having the Silvergate thing come up in the last two weeks, and now. You know, we got three banks. You know, when's the last time we had three banks like this? I know. Yeah. Go through what they've been through. It's it's kind of like uh, triplets, you know. And so I, I don't think we're going to have a rush on banks or anything like no. that. But I think uh, some of the ones that have maybe been doing some different kind of business, some different ways, are going to experience some uh, distrust from from uh, depositors now, and it's going to have some effect on them and all. And uh, I would. I'd certainly feel uncomfortable uh, depositing in a in a in a bank that is since a large percentage of the bank is dot coms and also in a bank that's very 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 involved with Bitcoin. So there's some things in my categories oh, yeah. that are building up where I, I don't want to go, and I think that's going to affect mm-hmm. a lot of people in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, and we've watched gold and silver move around a little bit, Mr. Kittle, and uh, saw a rise in it over the weekend, but not nearly as much. And it's already coming down because of the word of the bailout. Call it what it is. But, David, you and I talked about this before the podcast got started here. And it's, it's you know, it, what kind of precedence does this set? When you bail out, when you, if they say it's not a bail because it's not using taxpayer money, bull crap. This is taxpayer money no matter what you look like it. <laughs> Try to tell me this is not taxpayer money. Love to get your thoughts, Kittle. Yeah, we always, yeah, we always uh, forget. I don't that uh, you know federal money is taxpayer money. So when the feds come in, that's our cash that's going in. So you know it's always an oxymoron when they talk about that. The market opened down, stock market, you know, about three hundred points. It's already back to positive fifteen, twenty yeah. points, going back and forth. Uh, I think this is my thoughts on it. First of all, the president comes out this morning. And makes a statement that everybody's going to be okay, and that's great. He did blame the Trump in the previous administration without naming Trump, which 
I knew that's what he was going to do. The second thing is he talks about that we need more regulation and the Titan regulation, which is always their first thing. Let's more regulation, which is not what did this. It's yeah. the Fed's overreaction to raising rates. Yeah. They never look at the regulators that were supposed to be watching these banks on the regulations that they put in place. And if I may, mm-hmm. I thought this was absolutely comical. Did you see or do you know who one of Signature Bank's board of directors is? And did you see this gentleman's quote in the Wall Street Journal? Do you know who I'm talking no. about? No. No, I don't. Yes, Wish well, I... former Congressman Barney Frank. Barney is a Frank. Of our board of <laughs> I Signature did not. Bank. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't this great? And here's his quote to the Wall Street Journal that he blamed it was an SVP-generated panic. We, meaning Signature, were fine until the last couple of hours on Friday. Really? Really? We're so close to the edge that a bank on the other coast, all right, goes under, and you were okay until the last couple of hours. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, that's delusion. I, mean, I, I just think this is so ironic that he's on the board of Signature. Mm-hmm. After yeah. all he did to the to the industry when he was uh, in Congress. Yes. So. Yep. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you, gentlemen. Have you? I, I've been trying to catch up on everything over the weekend, but where exactly is the money coming from that they want to classify it as non taxpayer money? <laughs> I, I I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I know we know I mean, CFPB is funded with non taxpayer money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's about the treasury. But it where exactly is it? I, I don't understand. I, well, um, I have heard a couple of reports, and I was trying to study that as well. But my morning started off with a text message early this morning at 7 a.m., and it's kept me moving here very aggressively just to try to stay up on things. There's there's so much happening out there, and, it, and you when you get – it's like machine gun bullets. They're just coming at you so fast and furious. Now, this is not coming at us, me personally, but, I mean, it's coming at our clients. So I got a call at seven o'clock this morning, Dave, I need your thoughts. What about this and that? I don't want to get into it, but it, there's a lot of concern going out. There's a lot of failure. I think the focus that we also had Silvergate uh, in San Diego, uh, the, the third one that you mentioned, we haven't mentioned it by name, but that's the third one that went down over the weekend or last on Friday. And, and then over the weekend with all that's happening. I mean, it did set off a whole concern that there's going to be a lot of failures. I think where we're looking at is the failures within the IMB world. What uh, we had, Marina, I've been trying to reach out to Marina before she, um, before we went live here on the podcast, because Marina gave us some statistics last week in the conference. Now, what she did release, I can share with you, but the one thing that's coming up about fourth quarter, I am not at liberty to release until, and maybe it's already out there. I apologize, listeners, but I'm really, really big. I'm not going to publish something. I know I heard it with my own ears, what <laughs> own ears as to what Marina said, but again, um, she says, don't quote me on this just yet until we work through the last numbers, but it is a horrific loss for Q4. I mean, way beyond anything we've ever, ever seen ever before. And the second quarter, there was five BIPs. Then it dropped down to 20 BIPs, which is the, the, the most, the largest single loss for um, a quarter. And they're back to back. It's the first time we've had two back to back quarters. And then fourth quarter came in with another loss, a, 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 I mean, just mind-numbing loss as an average. And Q1 is Q1 of 2023, 
we're a long ways to get those actual numbers, is certainly going to be a loss. Is it going to be as big as the horrific number that Marina gave us uh, at the conference on Friday? I mean, on last Tuesday, is it going to be as big? Um, it's many Sam. Some are saying some adjustments were made. She was thinking and hope it wouldn't be that big, but we could be facing literally four consecutive quarters or more of losses in the independent mortgage banking world. And we have banks that are participating here in the mortgage industry in a greater way. But I, I, I tell you, that is staggering. Mark, when you think of our long tenure, David, guess, Mr. Kittle, you've been in the industry as long as Mark and I have been. I believe it's pretty close to it, at least. Um, I got it in, 19, in uh, 1973, so I'm in my 50th year. Uh, I know you're right up there with us, but have either of you seen anything like this that's going on? Well, we had never seen anything like it. You know, in seven, eight, nine, the run up, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. So what what you have now, this is one hundred percent my judgment, all policy. Right? Yeah, uh, it's was, not product, it's when they're, policy. When, when yeah. they're talking it's about this product, bail, yeah. bailout right bailout at uh, FBC, right? And yeah. they're gonna cover the depositors. You know what this really is? It's a bailout of the venture capitalists because that's where all the deposits came from. Yeah. They're bailing out the V C companies. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. we are. We are taxpayers we are are bailing them. out that bank. Yeah, that was all venture capital. Well, well, I, I think it's, it's interesting. The finger yeah. pointing is going to go on here uh, next over the next six months or so because I don't know how the current administration cannot take responsibility when it's their regulators that's over this process and and their political appointees and many of those key spots, et cetera. Um, but uh, it certainly is a failure of, of, of process and and of, of policy and not a failure of product. I mean, it's clearly in seven, eight, nine was kind of a combination product and policy. You know, there was not enough oversight over subprime lending, and we know that. But it certainly was the product that did us in. But uh, I don't. I, I'm I'm a negative kind of guy right now, and I I don't see an immediate end to this this debacle we're in right now, David. And I think we're going to have a a number of other quarters where yeah. the losses are going to mount up. I really do. I hate to say well, that, but I'm, I'm being a realist about it. You know what? I was listening to a podcast on Sunday. I mean, I've, I've just kind of heard all this information. I go, and I just got to chill and just digest all this. What's another shocking thing is everyone looks to insurance companies. Well, what are the most stable institutions supposed to be in our economic system? Uh, banks and insurance companies, especially life insurance companies. Well, guess who's been buying up life insurance companies to get access to their vast reserves of liquid cash, li- liquid capital. It's the likes of BlackRock and these various companies, hedge funds that are buying these companies up to get access. I am really concerned at what is being allowed to happen right now. I'll, sh- I'll anyone want to listen to it, I'll, I'll find that podcast I was listening to it and post it in the notes. Text me and let me know you're interested. I'll text it to you. It is alarming what's going on. I mean, across our financial landscape, we are not, we're departed from common sense. We're departed from the normal checks and balances in the system. But when you have everyone's <laughs> buying life insurance companies so they can get access to the cash reserve so they can invest it, uh, I'm sorry, that's a problem. That is sets us yeah. all up. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Mr. Kittle, I know you've got to run off, so let's move over to your report today. On the, I want to hear about the TMC conference and some of the notable things that were noted there, as I know you have to head out and run. So can you give it to us real quick? Oh, gosh. I mean, just 
I don't have anything specific about the conference. We had all kinds of uh, topics. Our, our lender members met together. You know, we have them. We call them the collab labs. Yeah. And uh, great, great uh, conversations come out of that. You know, when the great thing about the collab lab is that we're somebody may not be doing well or somebody is doing well in that particular group. They lift each other up. And they're not looking to slam each other down. They come out with great ideas for each other so they can help each other yeah. make it. And it's about helping your, your competitor. And that, uh, that's what the great value of that is. Um, it was just, a, it was a great conference and you know, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Good. Uh, there's, there's a number of notable things that came out of the conference again, because they were on top of each other had already committed to do, do some things at the, uh, been asked to speak and do some things at the, um, Letters One Conference, so I was at that one uh, because of prior commitments. I l- always love being with you, David, when you and the TMC group gets together. It is, it's as informative, it's as fun, and then uh, you're right. I think the camaraderie is just one of those things where people are really there to support each other, and that goes on at both of the TMC and uh, at, at Lenders One, and how they approach it is somewhat slightly different, um, but it is certainly both these entities both these co-ops are valuable big huge value to their members and so but one of the things we again we picked up with a lot of information from marina walsh on the benchmarking session that session was packed and then also the other one that was went on is garth i had a chance garth brooks i had a chance to talk garth brooks garth of uh <laughs> garth at Stratmore was was there and uh and you know, Greg Garth Brooks was not playing at the concert. I mean, uh, you guys, we all try to get good talent there, but ah, Garth Brooks wasn't there. But anyway, Garth was there and Stratmore, and we were talking on the M and A session, and he said, and then they were there with Sterling, and they were uh, sharing, and Sterling was just next to us at the booth during the um, exchange or the um, we call it the speed dating session, but at the uh, lender one, we're at the um, connection halls, what they officially is called. And we were sitting there talking, got a chance to talk to them about M&A business that's going on. What they said in the session was most interesting. Both Garth and the folks at Sterling said, most people are waiting too long. And we've seen evidence of this. I've actually had this call myself. Dave, no, we're doing fine. And then get a call three weeks later says, no, I think, I think we'd like to get ourselves sold. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to work, we're going to work on a, we do M&A. So we're working on a road map that'll have that out. And so what do we need to get this done by? He says, well, we're out of cash by at the end of the week, at the end of the month. I said, this is the first week of the month. We're out of cash already, and you're wanting to get it sold by the end of the month? Not going to happen. Well, we scrambled to try to put the yeah, deal together. You can't do the due diligence by then. I think you know, I'm involved due- right now in yeah. something that, that I can't really speak to, but I'm involved in an acquisition that I'm helping some people out with right now. By the way, that's Garth Graham. If, I know Garth Brooks. One has Garth. If they, yeah, if they have Garth Brooks, I'm going to their conference. <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, we love Garth. Garth, if you ever listen to this, we appreciate you, man. It was great talking to you as we were getting ready to head back. But it was interesting. He said they all come to him too late. Too many of them. They're dead by the time. And so you just say, I'm sorry. There's nothing we could do for you. It's like the guy that's having a full-on raging heart attack and the in the room and they don't even get it back to the ER room before uh, ER before they're dead laying there on the, on the admitting room floor. It's just, it is really crazy. So I think the moral of the story is for those that are struggling out there, don't wait until you get that half phone calls in advance. I mean, it's just get some things going, whether it be Garth Graham at Stratmore, whether you talk to the folks at Sterling or you talk to me or Kettle or anyone else that's done this call, uh, 
get some input. Start the process. I think everyone's so afraid to, Mark, because they don't want the word out. There's afraid that the word is out. It's a sign of weakness and that people will start <laughs> fake. It is important how you handle it because you will have consequences. And how if you handle it poorly, you'll have people actually, the good people leave quickly. Thoughts, Mark? Well, I think there's uh, three thoughts I have. I think, first of all, it's, uh, it's certainly a buyer's market right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and second is, I think that uh, the sellers ought to be very much aware of that buyer's market has two major elements to it. It is a buyer's market in that, that, in that somebody's got to be willing to step up and buy, but there's not going to be any bargains out there for the sellers where they're going to make a lot of money on some stuff. It's going to be more resemblance in a bailout than a purchase, and I think that's critical. But uh, the last thing I'd mention, too, is I think I talked to a number of people in the last two weeks about this that would like to take advantage of this market, and their companies are still okay to do that, but they're afraid to take on the gamble. I mean, they're afraid, do I I really want to step in and pick up a bunch of branches that, that might not have the possibility to make any money for X amount of time and add that additional overhead to my operation. So I can't paint a pretty picture right now. I think there's some people that have it, the ability yep. to step in and help out, but uh, it's not a pretty picture right now and will not be for the foreseeable future. You know. Well, it's working for a while for rates, and Les Parker was kind enough to dial in. Les, good to have you here, bud. Appreciate you. Thanks so much taking a few minutes to add to the color of what can we anticipate based on what we're seeing on the early days of trading. Les Parker, thanks for joining in. Well, I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't on earlier. I did have a call. That's why I wasn't able to join you sooner. Um, I did – I really like what uh, David Kittle had to say, that this is a VC problem. Um, yeah. And I actually do believe that the Fed and uh, Treasury made a mistake by saying they'll fully back all these guys. Um, yeah. But that's – Power. It's, a, it's purely a power play. Um, SBB is a unique situation. And I liked what one of the insiders to the at, um, at the bank has said about it. It turned out that one of the biggest risks of our business model was catering to a very tightly knit group of investors mm-hmm. who exhibited herd-like mentalities. And I mean, it doesn't sound like a bank run <laughs> waiting to happen. It didn't mean it, but it, it ended up happening. And it happens because of their business model. Uh, this is not the canary in the coal mine. I, I do understand why Mike, uh, Mark would have, um, you know, yep. be, be concerned. There's reasons to yep. be a concern. But this is really that the, they, they were, their deposits, got so large, where do you park your deposits? They, they weren't lending a whole lot, but yet they, they had to park them into securities. And the securities then get significantly underwater, and the deposits are largely um, non-guaranteed deposits. They're with businesses. And those businesses started to um, search for additional money. And the reason I used the word toughens in my audio clip today it's because the, yeah. yeah, they're wanting every little penny. They need yeah. every smallest coin at all of these. Bi- and I also said biotech because I think half of their customers were biotech, but yeah. uh, overwhelmingly this is uh, a, a, in the tech area. Um, and so this is unique. Um, the other bank that also failed <laughs> had a similar situation. 
Um, and I do think we're failing where the, the administration is failing. It, it, it was failing not having great oversight. And this yeah. is not that hard to see could happen. However, the way it's set up is that if businesses want to have that large deposit at certain financial institutions, they have the right to do that. But they have a risk if they do it. The mm -hmm. risk is the bank has to remain solvent. And there's supposed to be kind of an unwritten rule if there's a lot of business accounts there. Hey, don't leave this bank if there's problems. We all kind of stick together because it, it is a financial institution. They have clearing. But that's not what happened. And J.P. Morgan got a call. Uh, others got a call. And there was like one of them, uh, their company wired out $200 million. And in a very short time period, significant amount of money ran off to the bank. So they had no choice. But yep. to, uh, they became insolvent. It was a liquidity crisis, but it was because of their business model. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is not typical to what's going on in the rest of the industry uh, the the no, banking system. No, yeah. Not at all. yeah, I think that's a great special interest bank. Uh, the biggest concern I have are we going to have now a CD war, CD rate war? Mm. Are we going to have ba banks that are going to be competing for business accounts and need to keep their business accounts? So are those rates going to go up on those business accounts to just to make sure their bank doesn't go under? And also to be able to track the account. I, that, that may have a, a derivative risk, and that's where I'm worried about the contagion. So now ah, the contagion is on, there. On yeah. Mark's side. <laughs> yeah, so. very good. Very good, Les. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about yeah, contagion he, over the weekend. Yes, Mark? Yeah, Les, I heard one thing that I thought was an interesting concept. Somebody uh, said to me, I said, why didn't the Fed step in and as soon as that, you know, knowing what was happening, step in and stop, kind of, kind of modify, close the bank, let the bank handle normal transactions, but don't let anybody come in and sweep all their deposits out. Because that's really what drove the bank to the bottom, right? When all the big dollars started going out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's kind of like way. Is that a that might have been a easy a control event. Yeah, that that is a good. Yeah, point. well, you know, it'd be kind of uh, like what they did during the depression when they shut the banks down. It didn't work there because depression worked too long. But since we're talking about people kind of raiding the bank <laughs> for all their cash, if they would have put a, a control on that, it might have been able to salvage that situation. I would think. I don't know. Maybe not. So. You know, it's interesting. I read that in early March, forty CFOs. From various tech companies gathered for a snow summit, and guess who was sponsoring it? Who was who was hosting the event? Silicon That's Valley deep. Bank. Yeah, Silicon Valley. <laughs> hmm? yep. And and it's because almost all those guys were startups with them, and they said less than a week later, they were frantically sending messages to one another. Oh, we've got to hold our cash, otherwise this goes under. So in other yeah. words, this knew they had a risk at that bank. All these businesses knew the they time. had that risk. Yep. So, Mark, I, I like your idea. That would be better than there wouldn't have been, you know, then you don't, you would you would have a kind of a, a controlled default. Right? Yeah. You say, all right, if you guys want to be taking it out, but right now you can't do that. This bank goes yeah. under if you do. Yeah, 
by the way, this yeah, is an important discussion, okay. and, I, and I really want to do that. Miss um, Kittle, I, want, I know you have to leave. You pushed your call out. It's great to have you here a little extra longer than we thought we were going to be here. Any thoughts? Yes. Less, less, I want to talk also less. I'm going to stay here less because I want to talk about how does this impact rates. But before you depart out, Mr. Kittle, reflections on no, nothing. I think, I think less is spot on. You know, he's on here. I'm glad he got to join live. And uh, it's just yeah. interesting that everything that happens here, it's always somebody else's fault. To Les's point, <laughs> where were the regulators and the people that are supposed to oversee this? Yeah. What about the board members? When you're on a board, you're not there to pick up a check. You're there to oversee and lend your expertise to the board, i.e. Barney Frank. Yes. But Barney Frank wants to shift the blame. You know, after being in Congress 30 years, that's what you do every day. So it's just mind-boggling. At some point, the American taxpayer – because they're not excited about $31 trillion in debt right now. Maybe it needs to be 35 or 40. They'll finally say enough. And uh, it just kills me that we're not panicking over the policy yeah, decisions yeah. that are being made in the last two years. So have a good one. Rates. Sorry, i got to run. Yeah, but David, thank you so much for being here. Les, where does this take us in interest rates? Uh, is it with the, they're talking about Paul saying he's going to put a pause on things, we're a hold on that. Uh, are we going to see interest rates now come down? And um, then uh, do you see, or do you start things creeping back up? What's your thoughts? Your what's the, what's the like Alice says? You can't be here with us today, so I'll ask the Alice questions. So what are we going to write down notable that we can hold accountable to? Down the well, I've, been, I've been giving her a number of things that, for notes that have been I've been spot on. This is yeah. look, when you're in the middle of a crisis, and this is a quasi crisis. Um, it's hard to know how it plays out because um, government generally is capricious. That is, they they kind of make decisions you might not think because there's other political factors in play. Just like um, I'm a I was opposed to them coming out saying they're going to support all these deposits um, mm. because the VCs are really the number one benefactor in that. It's, it's similar to what happened when they bailed out, when they bailed out AIG, and you're kind of going, AIG, why are we bailing out AIG? Well, it's because it's the checks that went to AIG to bail them out, a substantial portion of it the next day went out to Goldman Sachs. Yes. So, you know, the power behind all of this, we don't know. So here's what I'm watching. Um, I'm I'm very concerned that the dollar is dropping significantly today. So we've we've dropped a couple uh, points off the index. Uh, And also the rise in gold is is significant. So those two events – go ahead. No, I I say I was was looking at that – Looking at one number, and I realized I was looking at it's what's happened today. I thought it was over a period of time. There's, it's been a pretty precipitous rise in gold, and I'm not sure about silver. Yeah, gold's but, up fifty fifty dollars today. So yeah. right now it's up fifty dollars on the day, and the dollar is down point uh, six five percent. It's not yeah. you know the dollar index doesn't you know move in two yeah. and three points usually uh, percentage points. Um, so. Those two things say that the markets in general are concerned that the Fed's not going to stick with their policy. Yeah. Um, Alan, just I actually believe. 
Go ahead. I, I believe you actually believe will stick to it. We'll stick to raising mm. interest rates. Mm-hmm. Yep, I do, and I think that the so I'm I'm concerned uh, if he sticks to the to the policy, and now you have this kind of disruption in here. You certainly could see rates going a lot lower. Um, but there's the other side. If they are going to blink, it is going to cause the dollar to fall significantly, gold to yeah, rise, mm-hmm. and and I do think that spills through that it starts. It will it will unwind. It doesn't feel like the market is saying, okay, we'll go way up and then we'll go way down. I, I, that could happen. Um, I think it's going to take a week or two for the market to fully give people like uh, Mark uh, comfort that the banking system is secure and give people like Mark that have ties into significant analysts that are able to evaluate uh, a no- number of these, uh, say, regional banks, for lack of a better term, to make see, that it, are there any others that have their deposits and their returns yeah. out of whack to where they can't be competitive on their rates to banks? Alan to has been, yeah, Alan has been patiently in the background waiting here. We got your mic on, Alan. You asked about CD rates for your tech CB just a little bit ago, so go ahead and put your question on the table. Yeah, well. You know, ultimately, you know, how do we get folks to keep money or put more money in banks and get something for it in return, right? And it's funny enough because uh, first thing I did when I woke up today was I called my banker, and um, he said, well, you know, one option uh, that we have right now is short-term CDs, three months um, is your minimum shelf life, and then, you know, you can hold on to it for as long, and they're offering 4%. And he's like, mm. uh, give me your money. So I'm guessing there's going to be more of those types of opportunities. Now, that, that, that opportunity didn't start today. It started about three weeks ago. Uh, he initially reached out to me about the same thing, and I didn't, I didn't put any money in them. But now I'm thinking, like, that actually may be a really smart idea, and I bet you yeah. other institutions will do the same. Yeah, I was listening to that last night over the, uh, a couple of podcasts. I was listening to it. Can you imagine a, a bank deposit start becoming the better investment? When was How long has that been? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the well, I was going to ask Liz to at four and a half, by the way. One month T-bills are at four and a half, and the four. six months are at four, four and seven-eighths, we'll call it. Okay. All right. Ben, uh, Mark, you were starting to ask a question there. Well, I, I was going to ask Liz before uh, that question got asked uh, two questions. First is, if if you had a substantial block of money right now, say you had a million dollars and you wanted to put it somewhere, what would you think would be the best uh, thing for Les Parker? And then the second question is, how concerned, and I don't know if you heard this earlier, we started talking about uh, the hedge funds buying up insurance companies because they wanted the, the dollars there to be invested in all, and I'm and David and I were both a little concerned about that because, you know, you're going to take a, a – dollars have been invested in people buying insurance that traditionally has been one of the most stable investments around and you're going to put it in the hands of a speculative market. I would like to get your opinion on that too. Uh, well, those questions <laughs> loaded questions, buddy. Like that, well, they, mm-hmm. they, it, I do not believe at this point uh, that the financial system itself is at, at uh, risk of, collapse in the United States. Now, I know there's some that 
think that we're on the cusp of it uh, for a lot of different reasons. But there's also a beauty of complex systems. Complex systems mean that one person sees a buying opportunity, another one sees a selling opportunity. Mm -hmm. And right now this is all on the edge, and I don't see a systemic risk in the U.S. economy. The, but where I'll get nervous is if the dollar index drops below par. Right now it's at 103, 103 and a half, let's just say. Um, so if the, And that's just against other major currencies. But if the dollar goes below 100, which isn't the end of the world, but it heightens concerns, and if gold goes above its highs, so we're back well above 2,000, those are concerns. The other thing you would want to watch is what's happening with oil. So if oil also, it, it might be kind of the, the final piece, right? If it's falling down, then we might say, okay, rates may stay stable or go lower. If it's going up, then it might be saying that rates should go the other direction. Right now, I think we're in a confusing market. And mm -hmm. it's all of those questions that Mark just asked and that Alan opined on that create the uh, major moves in treasuries. But why don't we come back, and if, if uh, Matt Graham was on the phone right now, he would bring us back down to earth by pointing out where mortgage-backed securities are right now. We're right. only up uh, 12 ticks on the sixes, and we're, we're up 23 ticks on the five and a half. So, in, in Fannie Mae. So this is not a market that's devastating uh, mortgages. And one reason it's not is because it's kind of in the middle of the curve. Yep. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, overly concerned. I do not believe what's happening right now that either one of these banks are um, is canary in the coal mine. Yep. Good. Yeah, that's encouraging here. What about a gold and silver? We're seeing, obviously, the understandable spike run to that right now. Is that going to back off, do you think? Um, well, Seeming, it seems like some evidence here just in recent, recent trades just in the last few minutes that things are starting to go back and people are saying, oh, okay, I don't need to overreact on this. Well, uh, if, you look at, if you look at silver, it's, it's been in a bear market. Yeah. Um, and if you look at gold, it's been in a – it's been. It's now in a bull market. So uh, silver tends to have this lag effect with gold that they're not re ultra highly correlated. That people tend to think that way. Um, no, I, I can can. Gold and silver are having this run up, and when things calm down, there'll be some correction. But now that they're both, or the silver may have flipped to a bull market today. So it kind of depends on how you, what trends you're, you're watching. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, where the markets are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Gold, and, silver, and even copper. Yeah. Copper bounced really strong today and it's back to stable areas. Uh, it was, mm -hmm. it was dropping rapidly in the middle of the day and now, um, now it's come back, or excuse me, early this morning, and now it's come back nicely. So there's a lot of cross-market stuff that's encouraging and encouraging for interest rates. I don't it, – it's hard to see rates dropping a lot further fast from here, but now we are 
we're moving towards a bull market today, my models will flip. Get, we, we will have gotten whipped in this because we went bearish, and now we're if we close at these levels, we're going to go turn bullish on the bonds, bullish on the 10-year. I'm already bullish on the 10-year yield with the close yesterday, and my models have been remained long on Jenny's, and they were short on Fannie Mae's, and now Fannie Mae's really close to its reversal point. So my models, my long-term models, are going to be flipping, it appears, if we can hold these levels, we're going to be flipping to being bullish. and. Now, will it be the rapid run-up we've seen in the last few days? Probably not. It just means that there was enough momentum. There are some underlying things, and it's to cause a bull market. So what what all your listeners will want attention to, I've given a few things, but if you're looking for news, if J-PAL comes out and say we're putting everything on hold till all this stabilized, that would be problematic. And I think you'd see an unwinding of some of this and – and there would be some pressure on rates. Uh, if he says we're sticking to fighting inflation, I would say that then mortgages will just continue to kind of march to a little bit lower levels okay. in rates. Okay, there you go. Well, we yep. last last. Thank you so much for joining in. You're we've welcome. got Alan, we've got Alan. You can stick it here and harass your good friend, next door neighbor, Alan Pollock. I assume oh, you're still love, Listen, I love listening to Alan. He handles yeah. great. He shares great information. And every one of your listeners, I'm sure they're enriched by hearing his uh, update every week. There. So, well, let's get the tech one, update. Yep. Alan, right. what you got for us? Well, you know, I appreciate the kind words, Les. Um, with three minutes to go, I'm not going to go through the full report, and there was no breaking news, but I want to talk about perception. And it's interesting, you know, one of the things I was going to talk today about is is where people are actually spending money right now, a Scotsman Guide, Fords, everybody's talking about it, right? Deliver the prime option with with the Amazons of the world setting the bar, um, the digital mortgage experience must improve, right? You're just Mm -hmm. going to continue to see these headlines. Let's talk about perception, something that doesn't cost money and is not cost-cutting. If you order takeout and you get, let's say, a tomato and cucumber salad, Panera, unless actually I know you and I have been to Panera many times. So <laughs> does, does a larger cup for, the, for a takeout order, like to-go, with a lid half empty leave you feeling like you got jipped, or does a smaller cup being filled up to the brim with the lid on it make you feel like you got a good amount and you're going to be happy with it, right? right? It's all perception. It's all perception. And it's user interface, it's experience, it's how you leave your customer referring the next customer. And, and that's really, I, I think, a good word for these times right now. Um, right. How, how can you change the perception of your relationship with your customer? And technology's there, but there's a perception about the emotional state of somebody and how they interact with technology. And it's not all fixed with technology. It's, it's fixed with expectations. It's fixed yeah. with hand-holding, relationships, all that. So I kind of leave us with that, right? What is, what is the perception of your technology and your digital mortgage experience that you're giving to your new Amazon-type shoppers? And we can talk more about that next week, David. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Alan, you're raising there. What we heard at the conference Again, the Lenders, uh, Lenders One conference was just the, the need to continue to look at the tech spend. But then they all realized there's the gots to have. I got to have this one. I got to have that one. 
And I think there, it'll be real interesting. I had a whole bunch of questions for you. We spent a lot of time talking about where the marker is at because we want to get out to our listeners some critical thought that is amongst this group and where we were at. So, Alan, I appreciate you hanging in there as long as you did and staying here with us. You do bring, like Les said, something that's so valuable. And it is going to be something that we're going to be paying more closely, more close attention to. I think the big news is going to be in the tech sector is more and more mergers and acquisitions are going to be happening. And I think one of the acquirers is going to be one of our sponsors. And uh, this is not signaling anything. I'm not giving any special information to anyone out there. But Simple Nexus, uh, quite, quite frankly, it's, it's um, uh, Encino. They're, what they're doing, and they're walking around with a real good war chest, I think you're going to see more companies like this come up. The big question is what's going to happen to ICE Mortgage Technologies with some of the things going on there and the acquisition of Black Knight. A lot of unknowns going on. But certainly, they're going to be a consolidation. That just seems to be so evident everywhere. Any final thoughts on that, Alan? Well, I was going to talk a little bit about that today, so let's save it for next week. But but I do agree <laughs> there's some consolidation. Um, it's costly to be a vendor, a technology vendor, because it's no you, you don't just build technology and sell it. You have the infrastructure, security, the training, the support. The wheels have to stay on the bus, right? And yeah. you have to have the right wheels. And they, you know, they have to work in all different climates. And so I'm full of analogies today. Wow. But yeah. anyways, uh, great point, David. Uh, let's, let's talk about that more next yeah, week. Let's, let's bring it up uh, next week. I, there's going to be some, some fun stuff going on this year and still the right time to invest in technology. Just do it smart. Just do it smart. Appreciate you so much, Alan. And uh, as we wrap it up, Mark, any parting words of wisdom? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I got one, but I'm going to save it the next week because it would be too long. But, uh, Alan, we'll finish off this, this question for you, so we'll get you started. With your, mind me next week, and I'll, I'll hit you with my question in the front of your presentation, and we'll sure. head on down the road. But this yeah. has been a very informative day, very informative. Very informative podcast today. Thank you, everybody, for participating. Thank you, listeners, for being here each and every week. So many of you just keep coming back. And then, most importantly, you tell others in your company about it. We have so many downloads of the podcast. Thank you so much. So that ends the podcast for today. I want to thank our sponsors, Candor Technology, Finastra, Total Expert, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex, as well as Mortgage Advisory Tools. Folks, have a great rest of your week. Look forward to having you back here next week. And be sure to pay attention to the Com Podcast that we're releasing this week, the one on Wednesday with Joe Weldu, and then the one on Friday with uh, on ChatGPT. That's going to be really good. Talk to you later, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.